Hello, my name is David Coletta, and I'm the senior leader at Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name, amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message. Thank you. 
we're doing is really about sharing these stories of hope. You know, when I, <clears throat> I was thinking about the word testimony, testimony, according to Merriam-Webster, uh, is a solemn declaration usually made by a witness under oath in response to interrogation by a lawyer or authorized public official. <clears throat> it also is a first-hand authentication of fact, of a fact, or for the Christian is an outward sign, a public confession of a religious experience. Now, uh, random people at a mall will probably define, if you ask them the question, if you go even in the streets and you ask somebody, how would you define the word testimony? They would define the word testimony in different ways. It's a witness on a stand in a court of law, etc., etc. But for the Christian believer, the testimony is a public profession of, and here's a word that I want to use, a faith journey. Because our faith is a journey. It's not a destination, right? We go from glory to glory, to glory to glory. Our, we are changing. We're being transformed by God. And it's also it's a testament to our relationship with God. And so what we have been hearing and what we heard last week from, um, uh, from Katie is just what God has been doing in her life as a testament of his power and glory. Now, testimonies are not just good moments. I don't want you to think about this time that we spend here as just a feel me good moment. It's like, oh, it's great. It's nice to hear stories about what people have gone through. That's not what we're doing this for. <clears throat> a testimony is a powerful declaration that is basically saying God has done it for them. God, do it again. Do it again in my life. Do it again in my situation. Do it again in my family. The testimony of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus is your victory over the enemy. Because you know what? He can accuse you. He can come and slander you. He can do whatever he wants. But he cannot deny what God has done in your life and in my life. And every story of God turning a situation around is a powerful tool to, that we use to war against the enemy. That is why we are so adamant about sharing testimonies. When you maybe faced an impossible situation in your life, you ought to begin to release testimony out of your life. Release the power of God through your testimony, through what God has done for you. Remind yourself, remind yourself what God has done in your life. That is powerful in itself. Today is no exception uh, because we are going to hear uh, a powerful testimony from a couple in our church. First of all, I want to invite my beautiful wife and the wonderful couple that we're going to welcome right now are Dan and Tangie Bennett. Would you please welcome them as they come? So guys, here we are. We're thankful for you guys. You're such a blessing. Tell us a little bit, how did you come to join the church? How long has it been? Just tell us a little bit about that. I don't know who wants to go. Tangie, why don't you go? Okay. Um, so when we when we came here, 
um, we were looking for a place where we could worship the Lord together. We were on the heels of um, pretty devastating circumstances in our family, and our we were he was kind of estranged from his daughters. They the girls weren't speaking to him, so um, we we were reconciled. So we started looking for somewhere where we could worship together as you know a couple, and so we found MCC and we never left. And we're going to share a lot more about what you just said. Yeah. I know that's probably everyone is wondering what happened. Well, you're yeah. going to hear in a minute. Tangie, uh, I'll start with you first. Did you grow up in a Christian home? I did not. No, I did not. Um, I mean, my, my parents sent me to church when I was very, very little because um, there was a Baptist church three houses down. Um, and I would walk down there and go to Sunday school. And that's really where... You know, I heard the gospel for the first time, and um, I was a really troubled kind of kid. I think I got in trouble a lot, but I really believe that my Sunday school teachers had um, a big influence on you know me eventually coming to faith. Um, but I, my family was um, kind of a um, very troubled marriage. Um, my father wasn't around a lot. Um, my mom was doing everything she could to kind of try to save. Uh, the family and the marriage and yeah. How about you, Dan? Oh, I, um, we went on Easter Sunday and uh -huh. New Year's Eve, or Christmas Eve, um, but that was about the extent of it. Now, I grew up in a home of addiction. Uh, my mother was an alcoholic and my father uh, struggled with sexual addiction. And um, so it was a pr very permissive home, to say the least. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And your relationship with your parents was... For both of you, tension, tense, not healthy. Yeah, I and my mom was always in survival mode, so she everything stressed her out because she was having to try to take care of everything by herself, and so that kind of um, I I picked up on that as a kid, and so I began to be very. Um, as good as I could be, as helpful as I could be, um, to try to keep the peace in the family. So it really groomed me to be um, someone who did whatever it took to try to keep all the people around me happy, even though that's not possible. But that was what I tried to do. So you guys are married. How long have you been married? Almost 30 years. We'll be Married 30 years on August Amazing. 1st. Yeah. yeah, that's a feed. Yeah, you can bless them. And you have how many children? We have four girls. They're 28, 25, 24, and 20. And I think you just married your youngest. Right? Yeah, the baby. We married her off, so all four are married. Amazing. We have one, one beautiful granddaughter. Mm. So, uh, Dan, at some point in your life, Things started spiraling down in your life. We're kind of we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit because uh, the part of of what happened to you both is what we want to focus on as part of your testimony. And so, uh, tell us a little bit about how and when things started spiraling down in your life. Were you self-aware? Like, were you aware of that things were on the decline for a reason that you will share? 
Um, like, are you talking about like you know why we came here and and, and that? No, in in your own life as part of the addiction that. Oh, I've I've really been an addict. Um, uh, sexual addiction was in my life about age thirteen. Um, again, like I said, I grew up. My father was was that. I I was looking at um, uh, Playboy and different magazines by the time I was seven. Um, my mom bought me magazines um, and as a teenager. It was a very permissive home. Like I said, I was able to drink beer out of the refrigerator at an early age. I'm the one that had the big parties in high school and things like that. My father was my buddy. My father was more my friend, and we, we joked around and things like that. So I've really not known not being an addict. Um, and so, um, yeah, the spiral was kind of like a plateau. It kind of plateau. It'll go, and then, you know, I'll, I'll hit a rock bottom, and then it'll even out, and then I'll go through that trap door and, and go even lower. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, to encapsulate, you know, my whole, you know, my story in that regard, I mean, it, it, I had two DUIs in college. It took me six years to graduate school. I had no vision, no purpose for my life. Um, and then I, uh, uh, a, a, a guy I used to do drugs with in college was like, one day he told me to take Jesus with me to rehab. My first time going into uh, rehab, and I've been in rehab three times. And and man, that phrase, take Jesus with me, just burn in my, in, in, you know, like a broken record in my heart. And at 23, Tangi and I made a, we were dating at the time when we made a profession of faith. And, um, but I, as I, as I, embraced God and wanted to live for God, I did not get rid of, of the idols I had in my life. And that was drugs, alcohol, and, and, and sex. And I, um, I, I brought those into the marriage, you know, kind of like as Rachel put the idols under her, her camel's uh, saddle, I took my idols into the promised land as well. And um, yeah, not knowing the damage they would do. Let, let me just say something. I think all of us, you know, we, Somehow, when we come to church, we become very sanctimonious a little bit. You know, I'm just gonna be honest. Like we become like super holy when we're in church. But you know what? We hear this kind of stuff all the time. Why we get shocked? It's like, no, this is like real life. So you know, things are about to get very, very open and honest and transparent. So buckle up. <laughs> okay. So Tangi. Uh, you guys are married. Did you see any of this? Were you aware? Like, what was your take in, in the, all this situation? So really early on, um, there were a few signs of the pornography issues. I don't know that I would have called it an addiction at that time. By my standards, what I understood, um, he w would get caught and then... Um, promise that he would never it would never happen again and then to my knowledge it didn't because I didn't know for months and months and months and months maybe um so early on I would say no that I didn't really understand um he did a pretty good job of hiding it I think and then um it really wasn't until much later when um so when we, before we got saved and got married, we were both like both feet in the world, hardcore, drinking, smoking, taking drugs, all of that. So when we got saved, we went completely cold turkey, like none of that stuff anymore. Um, and then later in the marriage around 
um, I don't know when that was, 2007, we decided that. Yeah, we, could... we, we let alcohol back into our lives. I was, we were serving in a church. We were home group leaders. We were uh, serving in different capacities. And I convinced her to allow uh, us to, to bring wine in the house. You know, we had four girls and, and um, you know, the, the girls would say, you know, Dad, why don't you drink a beer with the neighbors? I mean, they think we're Amish anyways. You homeschool us and all this kind of stuff. I mean, just, you know, and I was like, and I didn't and hadn't told him, Dad can't drink, you know. I But you know what? I just started thinking, you know what? I'm a new creation. You know, I started, the, the, the devil can take those scriptures and, wow. and, and begin to quit. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not going to like drink like I did in the fraternity house, you know, honey, you know, let's, let's just get a bottle of champagne on, on New Year's Eve. Well, that was the door that, that, that unleashed, um, the, the spiral, I would say it was, uh, we, it, when we started drinking, it just progressively got worse until, um, we were drinking, um, every night and still serving in our, our church. We did step down from leadership and stuff. Cause we, we did confess we had problems and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it, that's what, then 2007. It was truly, truly bondage because I, I went even, I mean, I, I don't drink now. And um, I went to a friend uh, and I told her what was going on. And she was like, you got to go home and throw all that wine in the trash and you can't drink anymore. And I was like looking at her going, yeah, that's not going to happen. You know, just I knew on the inside that I could not quit at that moment. And um, we were praying every day for God to, we were still praying together. We were still going to church. I mean, it wasn't like we just kicked our heels at the Lord and went on with whatever. And so um, I was crying out to God to deliver me because I felt like I was missing my life because we were literally drinking daily. And so... Um, in 2017, I, and I won't go into all the details, but the Lord gave me a word that he was going to deliver me. And so on, on the anniversary of the first time we drank, so we had drank on New Year's Eve for the first time. So on New Year's day, 27 or 2014, I, um, I quit and I haven't drank since. But. And, and, and there's, there's power in what. Tangi and Dan just shared because it, if you have a specific addiction to something, I don't know, if you have an addiction to, to alcohol, probably best not to get a job at a bar, right? You know, <laughs> so you got to stay away from the things that, that the enemy wants to use to just really hold you down and, and, uh, and to make you a slave to. So Dan, was there a triggering event, something that brought about your Deepest low? Here. Oh, yeah. I had a couple there right there around 2017, the date she meant, uh, mentioned. When, she, when Tangie quit, we, we made, you know, a, we've got to quit. This is not the marriage we signed up for. This is what she was telling me. I, I, was, I had lost my will there. I was like wanting to drink. I was ready. I, I was ready to throw everything away. And, but I knew she was right. And so I started drinking, uh, alone. I started drinking at work. I, I tried to hide it really well. I started taking over. I was abusing over the counter medications, um, tr because I knew alcohol was going to be on my breath when I came home from work. So, um, in 2017, I, I started developing toxic psychosis, which is from just pickling your brain. Um, and I went into a strange person's house 
after work and um, was welcomed by four sheriffs that threw me down on an ottoman and thinking you were home. Yeah, I yeah, thought I was in my own house. Moved. We yeah. had moved recently, and he was so yeah. confused. He thought he was in yeah. his own neighborhood, in his own home. Yeah, so I, I went to the hospital. So t I began to just real. I began, Tangie began to think I had mental issues like dementia, early onset dementia. She went to my doctor. Um, I literally was so sick. I didn't think that drugs and alcohol were having any effect of this. I thought this was. You know, I was developing health problems, a myriad of health problems because of alcohol and drugs. And so I, in my sickness, thought that this was from low sodium I was developing, which are in and diabetes and things like that, because I came back into my mind when they gave me an IV of saline solution that night, and I, I came to the devastation, and I began weeping. And, and my addiction told me, that's, it's not your, you know, it's not your the drugs. This is, you got something else going on. So that was the first, you know, you know traumatic experience there. So that episode took place. What, how long did it take before you began to cry out to God and say, okay, I, I can't, I can't live like this. This is enough. What happened? Yeah. It, this woman's prayer, she was crying out on my behalf, you know, Lois. I, I was gone by this point. I mean, I. Well, two, yeah. it was two years later. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that happened in 2017, and then 2019 was really when the wheels started coming off the wagon, so yeah. to speak. So um, I think you just kind of treaded water for a little while in 2018, and yeah. he was kind of, we didn't have any more of those hugely, like, crazy episodes where I'm going, whoa, what, you know. But we had a diagnosis. It was low sodium. We were blaming everything on that. So when he would get a little loopy, like, oh, you know, you, you probably drank too much water. Let's give you some pickles or something to get your sodium up. So we, so we both were believing this lie. And then in 2019 was when we ended up going to the emergency room four times within two months um, because things really got intense. Yeah. So then you're saying... Tanchi was praying for you. Was there anybody else in your life that was maybe speaking life to you? I mean, was your connection to church at that point still something that was happening? Were you guys attending? Was there yeah. anyone speaking life to you? Yeah, I was. I was actually in. You know, I had um, confessed when we moved, we went to another church um, in um, 2016, and or and when I did, I told them about my alcohol problem, and I got connected with the men and in in the in the church. So. But I, I was I was not being honest. I was not being truthful with these guys. I still was protecting my addiction. I, I mean, there were I had moments where I wanted to be free. You know, I would say I went on, when I had a full stomach. You know, I would say I wanted to repent on a full stomach when I had, you know, the the, the cycle of addiction. You know, you you go through it, and after you you act out, you you have this guilt, shame, remorse that comes on you, and then you repent. You know, oh God, I'm I don't want to do this, or or Tangie would catch me, you know, and I, and I meant it, I really meant it, but I, you know, one of the things we say is we, you know, we, 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 we protect what we love and I protected my addiction. I didn't, I didn't love, you know, I didn't love my family as well as I love my addiction. So I was protecting that. And I, I, I was too, I couldn't quit. I mean, when the obsession hit me, I would act out. So, um, it was, it was, it was, a, I was, I was living a, another lie 
and a hip, you know, hypocrisy in that poem. So, what was the turning point then? What what happened that changed everything? Oh my gosh! Well, I mean, this woman again, I, you know, was just so fate, you know, praying for me, and I was hurting her just over and over because when when it, when the end comes, more like there's the the exposure. I couldn't control this thing. I couldn't at that moment. I I'd been hiding this all my life, but now it's so large. It's so monstrous. That the beast just, just um, you know, you know, Tangi found out just about every time I, I used. So one, I went to, um, I like I said, we'd been in the emergency room. I was completely out of it. I, I mean, I was completely psychotic. And finally, on the on the day, I was out of my mind. And so she found some pills that fell out of my pocket. And the, she, right then, she said, "Oh my God, I have been deceived for years." And that was it. I mean, that was the, she uh, called um, some of the ladies and they took me to the psychiatric ward uptown and, and I spent the night in the psych ward. I was completely out of my mind. I was completely out of my mind. And that day after I went into treatment and that is my, my rock bottom. I was in treatment and that's when the, uh, my eyes were opened in treatment. And what happened during that time, Dan? I mean, were you guys together? Was it just a one-time thing? What? Tell us a little bit about that. And this is not to magnify the problem, but just to give us an idea what what was going on. Well, well, no, Tangie was done with me at that time. She now was just completely knew what was going on, and she was completely done with me. So I loved him still. I've never stopped loving my husband. Um, but... Being with him was no longer healthy for me. And I finally realized it. You know, I looked around at my circumstances. I looked at my marriage and I said, you know what? This is destroying me. Like I was literally, I think I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And so um, I just came to a place where I said, you know what, Lord? Um, I love this man, but I can't fix him. I can't help him. I can't get him free and I can't keep him free. So I just told the people at the hospital, I was like, I cannot take this man home. I can't do anything for him. You're going to have to find a, free, a treatment facility for him because he's not coming home with me. And it was, it, was, it was a God thing. You know how like people say, oh, how, how do you have the grace for that? You know, you have the grace for it when you need the grace for it. And the Lord gave me the grace in that moment to have the courage to do that. It was terrifying. I mean, I didn't want to lose my husband, you can convince yourself sometimes that you're, that you're normal, even though it's not normal is better than nothing, you know? And I didn't want to lose my marriage. I didn't want to lose my husband. But at the same time, um, I knew that I was at my ropes end. I was at my rock bottom and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I had done everything I knew how to do yeah. and I couldn't do anymore. So. And I feel that that's a word for somebody here today that, that you maybe lost hope. And you don't know where to turn and who to go to. And God, God's telling you right now that I'm going to give you the grace that you need when you need it. And maybe you need it today. And this is your day for encountering the Lord in a special way. But don't give up. Right? Don't give up because you never did. And so what happened? So um, we put him in a treatment facility and he was still out of his mind for 12 days. He did not know why he was there the bus driver like they would take them to all kinds of support group meetings and the bus driver 
when I finally met him, jokingly told me that he said, yeah, every day Dan would tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, man, take me to, um, and the guy's like, man, you ain't going home. You're going back to the treatment house. We're just sit back, relax. You're fine. He's like, okay, okay, okay. But he just um, didn't get it. He didn't comprehend. And then I'll let him kind of pick up from there. Yeah, rock bottom was a, was a miracle for me. I had when I uh, I was so self centered. Addiction makes you all you care about is 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 getting what you need and protecting what you need and make sure you cover your tracks. So I I didn't I didn't when somebody asked me in treatment for the first time what what if you know what do you think your wife feels like or what is your wife you know that that stumped me. I was like. Man, that's a good question. I don't even, because I was so self-centered and self-absorbed, and all of a sudden, God just gave me a revelation of what I had done to Tangie and my daughters, and it just broke me. It broke me. This guy got, I mean, really tough love, this 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 treatment guy. He he got in my face, and he said, you know what, and he, he did this chair exercise where he put Tangie right in front of this chair in front of me, and then he started moving that chair away from me, and he says, these are all the things you're putting in front, and he says, you know where God is, and he walked as far as he could to the room. He said, this is where God is in your in relationship of your life. He still see, he's, but you, he's not even, because I thought I was still, so I was so stinking spiritual. I was talking the talk, you know, and quoting scriptures to everybody, you know. And finally, I just saw that, and I broke. And I, it was a, what have I done? It was like coming out of the storm cellar and seeing the devastation of the tornado. And I, I just, I couldn't go the next two weeks. I, I Every time I, I began to talk and, about this, I just cried, and I couldn't continue. And uh, at that moment, I was like, God, I'm willing to do whatever it takes I don't want to lose this woman. I don't want to lose my family. And I don't want to go to hell. And I, and I, I have played you, and, and, and you are still here with me and love me. And, and he just said it was going to be all right in a dark, dark moment in treatment centers. And I was in a dual diagnosis facility with a lot of psychiatric behavior. And there was some, it was a low, very, very dark very scary and scary place. place so. And, and what about your girls? What what was going on in their lives through all of this? Because they're well, none of us. I mean, I didn't want to talk to him either. His counselor called me. She was phenomenal. Oh, I can't say enough about her. She was just an amazing, amazing woman. Still, still doing that. Um, but she called me and she was like, "I think we had a breakthrough," you know. Um, and I was furious. I was just so angry. And um, she said, I, I think you should come and talk to Dan if you're up for it, you know. And she had given me some advice on some things I could do for me to get myself healthy um, because I was not in a healthy place at all. And I have gotten connected with some amazing women who hold me accountable and help me to kind of keep the focus on me um, because I can't fix him, you know, I can only fix, I, I can only answer to God for myself. Right. And so she, she wanted me to come in and talk to him. And, um, I was like, you know, all he's ever done is lie to me. And I was just so furious, but I came, we surprised him. I said, don't tell him I'm coming. Cause I don't want him rehearsing his answers. I don't want him planning what he's going to say to me. I just, I'm going to, nail him with some questions and he's going to, you know, so I show up and I have never seen my husband look 
oh, some, he was just, I don't know how to describe it. Like you could tell that he had not stopped weeping in, in weeks. Like his eyes were sunken, swollen, red, um, just, he was just broken. And so, um, I mean, when I turned around and saw him come in that room, it was, uh, it was pretty, you know, sh just shook me to my core. But um, God did something amazing that day, you know, and he, he just confessed, like, everything to me. He just laid it all out there, like, stuff that I didn't even know that I didn't know. And, um, and that was really pivotal for me, too, just that tr just true gut honesty know to the very core and, and I think that was pivotal for us because I think that you know there was a part of him that believed that you know if I just tell her everything she's not there's no way she'll stay with me and him telling me everything made me love him even more you know because it's just, you know, and I was just asking him before we came up here, honey, what is that scripture? And he's so good at memorizing scripture, but can you quote it? What is the scripture? Talking about if we walk in the light, you know, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, you know, yeah. in the blood of Jesus. And we have literally seen that in our marriage, like that as we are open and honest with each other, we have the best intimacy that we've ever had. We've never been closer in our 30 years of marriage than we are now. I, even after everything we've walked through, our marriage is better now Wonderful. than it ever has been. And we say thank you, Lord, for that. Yeah. Is that such a God of restoration? Such a God of restoration. It's beautiful. I just want to say about our daughters that, that they didn't really know any of this. They, I mean, we really, Tangie didn't let them know and I really kept it from them, and uh, they, they just basically are trying to wrap their brain. Who is my childhood? I didn't, you know, my father now was not who I thought he was. Who is this man? So they were devastated, and then rightfully so. Um, they they saw us drink in the home, and they did see us over drink in the home, um, and things like that. But yeah, that's that was uh, that was where they were, and did not want to talk to me, and you know, just uh, still supporting their mother. We separated. We, I went and lived in a halfway house. Um, you know, the, I, 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 I was, I didn't want to be. She didn't want me. We, you know, we. She saw a breaking, but you know, hey, you got to give this some time, and to see, and, and I needed time for me to to work. I mean, I just so much. This, I had to give my life to renewing my mind and recovery, right. and so I make that the top priority. So we separated, and I went and lived in a halfway house. Um, with with the, uh, some characters and uh, and know. it's it's easy to stay sober in treatment, you know, because yeah, exactly. you can't you, you can't, can't get lose. your hands on anything. So, but yeah. once he got out, I was like, mm -hmm. let's see, let's let's walk this out and see how it goes. And so he did, and we ended up dating each other again, and that was wonderful. Um, and then he came home on December first. So wonderful. oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Beautiful. Thank you, Lord. So, Tangie, were there days that you doubted the transformation? Did you think sometimes maybe it was just self-preservation? Um, how long did it take you to kind of, you're equally, for you guys to even out and say, okay, yeah. there's really a definite change? So, um, you know, we talked about this yesterday, and trust is built little by little. 
You know, trust can yep. be absolutely destroyed, like with a landmine in, a, in an instant. But to rebuild trust, it takes time. It takes effort. Um, so day by day, as I would go to him and talk to him about something that in the past would have not, it would have been bad, like his reaction. And then he responded totally differently. Like he was responding differently to life, to circumstances, to stressors. Um, that began to build my trust, you know. And then as as we lived life and we discussed things, like we are very, very open with each other. Like if something triggers me, and when I say the word trigger, I mean um, kind of makes me emotionally spiral back to a place of feeling unsafe or fearful from the past. I will talk to him about it. I just go to him and say, you know, I know you didn't mean anything by this, but what you just said really stirred up some fear in me or whatever. And then we talk about it and we pray about it and um, we work through it. And that has helped to build trust. Being able to talk to him about what happened still. You know, so often, like before he truly repented, um, when I would bring up things that happened, he would say, we've already talked about this. Like, I told you I was sorry. And that just shut me down, you know. But when, you, when you've experienced, like, some traumas and some, some betrayal, um, it takes time to heal from that and to kind of sort through your emotions and your thoughts and to try to put everything you know, we watched this great teacher, uh, this is a YouTube thing, but she's a teaching on trauma. And she was talking about, she used an analogy of like a bookshelf. And when someone, when you get traumatized, it's like someone came in and just threw everything off the shelf in your life. And it's just everywhere. And so you try, when you were trying to recover from that, to just pick everything up and like figure out where does this fit back in my life? You know, you're just trying to like reconnect the dots. And so as that happens, and it can happen with something that we've discussed a hundred times, I can go back and kind of not be doing well. He has been so patient to let me talk about it and own it, just own his part and say, you know what, I can understand why you feel that way because that was not good what I did or I behaved in a really bad way, you know, yeah. in that instance. So you, you, you had, you know, church, you had Christian friends, mm -hmm. but you also had counselors, you had, you went through uh, therapy and all that stuff, right? I mean, that... we, we are both parts of some support groups okay. that have been huge in our lives. So I've been a part of a group um, for going on five years now of some ladies who have been a tremendous support to me, but we are very focused on um, betrayal trauma and recovery from that and um, supporting each other and getting healthier and stronger. And then Dan is a part of several support groups as well. And we, that is, that is like bread and butter to us. That's life and breath. Like someone has said to me once, well, when can you guys quit doing all that stuff? And I was like, you don't understand. Like if your husband gets in a car wreck and he winds up in a wheelchair for the rest of his life, I mean, would you say to that person, well, when can he quit using that wheelchair? Yeah. This is part of our life now. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I've accepted that. We, we, and that's important to realize mm -hmm. that 
sometimes, you know, we think, oh, just God's going to do a miracle and he's going to heal and it's going to be instant. But there's a process that takes place. And all of these components and people in our lives are just so important. So then, I mean, you're, you've gone through what you've gone through, addiction. Uh, of course, you have to do certain things in your life to now safeguard yourself. You don't go to parties and just, you know, take a little sip here and there. So what are some of the things that you've had to do in your life to protect yourself and protect your wife and protect your family that to keep you away from what may become a trigger again? The main thing, I mean, I have, yeah, accountability is just crucial in my life. Every day I have a call and as soon as I get up in the morning and basically we say, we ask each other, was anything in the last 24 hours, you know, did anything happen with it that you need to shed light on? And that, the secrets made me sick for all my life, that double life, that hiddenness. And whenever I begin to, to say, I need to, when the, when the Holy Spirit prompts me to say, I need to tell somebody this thought I'm having, or I share that and I bring it to the light because I have seen the power of, of, of the light. And I've seen the strength and numbers in those community groups where just telling people there, there is, it, it loses its hold on me, you know, and just, it, it, it does. So that, that rigorous honesty is something I'm trying to practice. I'm learning to try to be the same person on the inside that, that you all see on the outside, because for years I wore a mask and I, and I tried, performed for you all to, to be the person that I thought you, I needed, that you wanted me to be so that you would like me. So now I'm trying to be integral and that's radical for me. So there's, there's that, that honesty, that honesty is like my, the key piece. And then, then sharing my feelings with Tangie, I'm trying to learn to, because I've been bound and I've been a love cripple all my life and now I'm learning how to love. I'm learning how to express that love to her and think I'm thinking of her far more than I ever have and I know I have a long way to go but how how can I bless her today and serve her and love her today and that's that's been you know thinking of others has been a helpful thing too. Um I as I as I think and I hear your story I a few months ago I asked Dan I said Dan I said you're very honest and upfront. Actually, I think we we talked about them when we had dinner together with the four of us. And um, he said, you know, it's not hard. You can't kill a dead man. And that, you know, it, it little things that you, you, you've got to realize, right? You know, when you're dead to yourself, it doesn't matter what people can say about you. You're already dead, so can't kill a dead man. But there's an honest sincerity to express things, not just to highlight what happened and just, you know, just to make you, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm better than you are. No, Dan's all about opening your heart or open his heart to you so that he can help you. And Tangie is the same. So we're, we're really, really thankful for you, for you too. So, you know, one of the things that, uh, that I wanted to, we wanted to ask you guys is what do you do together to strengthen your relationship? Now, you know, of course, you're talking, you're keeping the open conversation. What are some of the things, some of the practices that you've engaged in that have caused you to, to become stronger together as a couple? Well, one thing, we pray together twice a day, every day. Um, and I feel like if we don't do that, like I, I, panic. <laughs> I 
just have to I say, need more of that. Yeah, we we talk on the phone in the mornings and we pray on the way to way to work and then at night before we go to bed we pray. But I think for us the communication thing is really huge, you know. Um if I can start to feel some distance, which, you know, I feel like women are kind of a little bit more intuitive about that. Like you can start to feel the intimacy waning a little bit. Um, then, you know, we try to carve out time to sit down and have conversations. Like, how are you doing? I feel like we do that on a regular basis. Like, how are you doing with this? Or how are you doing with that? How does that make you feel? How do you what are you going to, you know, what are your, what are you thinking to do about it? Have you journaled about it? Have you called one of your guy friends? Have you called one of your girlfriends? Because we can't always be each other's uh, confidant or accountability person. I don't even want to know all the things that he struggles with necessarily. I don't need to know. It's not my, you know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with letting him be responsible for him and me be responsible for me. And that's huge for me because I was never that way before. Like I would police him. I, what do I mean by that? I would go out and search his car. If he came home and went to bed early because he was really tired and I was suspicious that something else was going on, I was digging through his trunk, looking under the seats, trying to find something, see if I could smell alcohol in the car, going through his wallet back before the internet was a thing. Um, so, um, and now I feel like we're kind of more in a place where we're there for each other and we know that, but at the same time, we really encourage each other to have relationships with healthy people outside the marriage, you know, me, girlfriends, him, guy friends, and then carve out that time as well, you know, away from each other to, Pursue our own growth. Pursue God ourselves. So important. And be another one to ourselves. Yeah. So, Dan, um, what would you tell someone that's struggling with addiction, sitting in, and there could be somebody here today, you know? I mean, uh, surprise, surprise. But we all struggle with stuff. And our responses to our struggles is what really really truly matters. But what would you tell someone right here today that might be struggling with addiction to various types? I, I just encourage anybody to, to, to get help. Just ask somebody, you know, I mean, one of the things that um, I, I you know, want to share my story is just to, that, to say this, this is an area I got some experience in. I mean, not everybody struggles with the same things, but please tell somebody, tell, this isn't going to go away. It's crouching at the door, eager to control you. You know, David or Cain heard that, you know, and from God. And it's just, it doesn't go away. It's not going to get any better. If, if you're still active in it, it's going to progressively get worse and take everything away from you. And there, you know, the church, I hope we can just find somebody that is experienced in that area that can help show, show you the way. And I, I want to say that in addition that there have been people that have come to us and said, I, you know, do you know anyone that I can talk to that I'm struggling in this area? Could I speak to? And, and Dan has been such a blessing to a number of people that have walked through difficulties like that. Angie, what would you say to the spouse of someone who's struggling? Well, I would say 
I, I was under the delusion for many years that if he would just get his stuff together and get fixed, that we would be good. And I really needed to work on me. And so I just would encourage every woman to know that the only person that you can change is you. The only person you can control is you. So for me, what was life-changing for me was to begin to look at myself to see I had issues with lots of things, boundaries, um, saying no, trying to control people, all kinds of stuff. And so when I began to start working on those things, you know, Dan and I were talking about this yesterday. The, the key is, am I going to, if he, let's say he goes out and drinks tomorrow. I can't stop that. Am I going to be okay? How am I going to be doing? Is my, is my health contingent on his behavior? If so, that's scary. Because then he has control of me. So I... I need to make sure that I'm I'm going to be okay, no matter what happens. How are things with your girls? I think amazing. I mean, God's grace has just been amazing. Um, you know, we just married off our baby, and she was probably the last one to come around to Dan, and she you know, asked her dad to walk her down the aisle and we just spent the night at her house on Friday and just had coffee and it was just amazing. I mean, it is really rebuilding our family and we're so, so thankful. I mean, they've forgiven him. Um, and, you know, I think God is really rebuilding their trust, you know, in him and they see a change in him. You know, they do. And that is wonderful so yeah. guys um i don't know where each and every one of us is when it comes to issues of life but i think it all starts with acknowledgement and to say i i have some stuff that i deal with in my life and i need someone to help and i want you to know that um in this church, we're, we're a family. We're a family. There's no shame, no condemnation to anyone because the Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who are we to put shame and condemnation on people? And if you've ever felt that, uh, that certainly is never going to be our intention. So if you've struggled and you've come from background, a different church, upbringing where you felt judged and condemned or a place where you could never really step out and be honest about your stuff. I want you to know that you can't. And it can start today. It takes real courage and it takes determination to not give in to the enemy's plans and purposes. Heavenly Father, you we just are reminded of how you came, the Spirit of the Lord God anointed you, not only to preach the good news to the poor, but to proclaim liberty to the captives. 
and the opening of the prison doors and to bind up the brokenhearted. Thank you, God, for opening my prison door and, and healing my, my precious wife's heart and you're still healing it. Lord, and I know you want to do that. That was your mission on this earth among many other things. And I pray we just proclaim liberty today. We proclaim liberty in this sanctuary. and We proclaim those who are bound by anything, food, substance abuse, pornography, all the any entertainment, whatever it is, Lord, you know that from the from the smallest shackle to the greatest. Lord, we proclaim liberty and we know that you have come to set us free, Lord, that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and there is liberty. And I thank you, God, for my two years and nine months of freedom. And Lord, I just pray that, that you are you want to do that now. And I pray that for every person, Lord. I pray that you would give a, 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 the gift of desperation in this room to every person who says, I have got to get free of this. Yeah. I am sick of, of carrying this issue with me. Like the woman with the issue of blood, Lord, that was willing to get on her yeah. uh, hands and knees and crawl under the yeah. crowd yeah. to touch you. Lord, give us that desperation today, Lord, to get free and to walk in newness of life. Church, this life that I'm living now is nothing compared to what I've been. You know, I stayed in the church for 30 years and I was dead on the inside compared to how I feel now. And I just, I, I pray, God, that, 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 that my, my family here, Lord, would know your freedom, those who need it, Lord. Yeah, so I pray you. for every person, Lord, that you would give them the willingness, the readiness to do what it takes in Jesus' name. Hey, thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.